Welcome to the Fod Eater Fod Path. <laughs> hey everybody, it's Froth here with the Thought Eater Podcast, Thought Eater Blog. It's Tuesday, so it's time for some top three Tuesday fun. So we're going to go through some top three lists on various topics. I got three coming at y'all today, three different uh, topics from, from listeners. So I'm excited to do that. Um, you may have noticed, I feels like I haven't podcast in forever cause I, I just do something really short on Fridays. And then if you're following along with the night below session recaps on Sunday, you'll notice that there wasn't one this weekend. I was like running late. First we had like a couple players we we're going to miss and that, that wouldn't have killed the game. But then I was running late and had to eat and it was, I was going to be like an hour late fresh from you know, scurrying around and trying to get things done. And it just ended up where like, I don't need a ton of time to settle down at a table, but if I'm coming in rushed and hurried and everything, like I I just, I'm not in the mood. And so I was going to be late and people were going to mess and it was just, well, it might end up better anyway, because my instinct was to maybe do the, uh, the characters are coming up on this huge, like orc battle is, and my instinct was to do it just theater of the mind, but now I'm not so sure. Now it maybe gives me another week to, to plan something, you know, visually spectacular for it or not, maybe not spectacular. I'm giving myself too much credit, but something, something different. So I'm turning that around my head, but should be back with one of those next weekend for those of y'all checking those out. Apologies. Yeah. I hate having to go two weeks between playing that game, but anyway, it is what it is. So I've got, uh, I got one call in that, uh, was just about the topics from last week. It doesn't have a, um, a topic suggestion and then we'll do the suggestions as we get to it. So check this out. Hey Frost, it's Jeff. Exploding dice, man. They are the best, uh, con game many, many years ago at dragon con was running the game had a guy roll a 35 on a D4 in Savage Worlds. Made the table. Exploding dice. Awesome. Well, it was Jeff Collier there from the Tome of All Dooms, relatively new podcast up here on Anchor. It's really good, actually. Um, Jeff's doing uh, really succinct, um, easy-to-understand reviews that are kind of like the opposite of what I would do. Uh, as far as being succinct and, um, coherent and all that good stuff. So I would check that out. Um, he's got a review up of index card RPG and, uh, spirit of the century. And they're both really good. Um, really explains what, what, what you're getting with the, um, with the game. So thanks for that, Jeff, and, uh, keep up the good work. All right. So Cody M no save for you. I put uh, put two in last week. I only got to one of them. Let's get to Cody's now. Hey, Froth. It's Cody again. Hey, man. What are your top three favorite uh, gaming systems and or supplements? Take it easy. All right, Cody. Appreciate the call in and the suggestion. And uh, I was thinking about this one. It seems like it might be a little. Well, I don't know predictable for me at least the one and two um 
I don't even need to maybe spend too much time on it, but number one, Dungeons and Dragons. And I'm kind of doing these in reverse because the, the, the number three is probably the most interesting, but number one, Dungeons and Dragons. Now, I like all editions of D&D when it comes down to it. My favorite is first edition, but heavily house-ruled, using pretty much everything from OD&D to second edition interchangeably with it. But I, I just like the presentation of first edition. I like the the core classes and the treasure and the, the monster books. That's that's my favorite. But uh, I, I've got some third edition stuff, a bunch of fourth edition stuff, and I've collected basically every 5e thing as it's come out and um you know i've got things i don't like about different editions there's no doubt about it um but when it comes down to it given the option of of not playing or, or playing uh whatever pathfinder or not playing and playing some fourth edition i'm gonna play um and you know i, I house rule them all to some extent i i, I guess but um, anyway, it's just my first love and made the strongest imprint on me. And I, so that's an obvious number one for me, <clears throat> but coming up closely, nipping at its heels is Call of Cthulhu. I love it. Um, very different game plays completely different. Um, but I, I love the historical aspect of it. I like, um, the investigative aspect I'm a big horror fan. So it's got that. And then the scenarios are so good. No game has better adventures, in my my opinion, than Call of Cthulhu, by far. <clears throat> Including the, <clears throat> excuse me, just the sheer numbers of great adventures. It's it's unbelievable. You can read them as literature. They're so good, and um, you know it plays completely different. You know, like I mentioned, but you know the pacing, everything's different. D and D, you're looking to fight. Call of Cthulhu, if you're looking to fight, you're not going to last very long. And um, the, the, the biggest difference almost in my experience is really kind of like the pace and flow of how, how it happens. You can cover a lot of ground really quickly in Call of Cthulhu, it seems like. It requires a lot more prep, um, whereas I could play D&D with almost literally zero prep. Um, Call of Cthulhu is not that way, um, but it's uh, just a fascinating game, wonderful, love all the themes, love um, the, the different time periods, especially 1920s or late 1800s, and uh, so that's an easy two. So those are, you know, didn't even have to think about it. That's my one and two. When it gets to three, that's when it was like, huh, because to be completely honest with you all, I had a big gap in my gaming. I didn't game all the way through like some of y'all listening or like a lot of people. And so, um, and, and when I got back into it, I quickly found out in order to play some games, I was going to have to be the one running them. So I, I, there's tons of games that I know I would love. Um, and I just haven't had an opportunity to play and it seems, um, it doesn't seem right to put up games that I haven't, you know, played or, or ran to, um, you know, to be in my favorites just based on reading them, you know, <clears throat> um, is as awesome as they would be as much as I'd, you know, love to get in a game. But there were several that came into my mind 
there was a time when I probably would have put Star Wars D6 in the three slot automatically. But the more experience I have with it, the, the more there's things I love about it, but there's, there's huge parts of it that I, I would, I would change and tweak, particularly the way the kind of death spiral sort of thing works. And, um, and obviously the people at West End games must've felt the same because they, they changed that quite a bit and different editions or tweaked it and it's still not quite right. And, but I mean, that's up there. I mean, it's got great fan support, unbelievable fan support. Um, all the Western games are so many great supplements and uh, the game itself is, is really awesome. Just, uh, and I'm not even the biggest star Wars person in the world either. Uh, and it's, it's that good. So that was in the running. Um, also in the running was Warhammer Fantasy, but it couldn't cross into the top three. And then um, I also thought about Savage Worlds. It has so many great settings. It's so kind of flexible. And I know I'm going to be playing that a lot more with the new edition. It was tempting to put it in, but I, I ended up going back to an old love. And it's something I've been going back to playing as well with uh, my family and that's TSR's Marvel superheroes. That's going to be my top three. What a great game. God, if you never spend any time with it, there's still lots of great fan support, people putting out all the rules and everything and uh, all kinds of stuff. You can, you can find it. Um, and I, I just love that, that, that the action table, you know, I love the, the, the rolling on that with the, the, the green, yellow, red, it just, um, it's the kind of thing where it's so easily adjustable. You can say, okay, well, you got to shift right or shift left, or you, you're going to need a yellow for this or whatever, you know? And even though it's the same kind of principle as setting a DC, it's easier. Um, it's makes more sense. You say, oh, this is tough. You're going to, you know, you need to get in the yellow for this. And instead of saying, okay, I'm going to set the DC at 18, it's, it just feels cleaner. It feels easier. I think, um, I can tell my daughter responds to it in a way that I, you know, that I responded to it when I was a kid and, and role-playing a superhero is, is fun. It's fun as hell, actually. <laughs> it's, and I, I will say that I, I don't, the, the character creation in the basic and advanced, I, I don't like how it works. Um, what I use is, I think it was from polyhedron, but it's since been reprinted and, stuck out. I think it's called, uh, with great power is the name of what the article was. Let's see if I can find it a little, I should have had this ready. Yeah. With great power. It was an article in, in polyhedron, polyhedron 72. And it was, uh, it, it was basically, it's like a kind of like a point by deal. To, to make your own superhero. Cause the one thing about it is like, who the hell wants to make a random superhero and, and, and not be able to, the, the whole, the fun is really making up your own superhero. Um, so that was something I never understood. Uh, I guess what they said with the basic set, they, they were surprised that people wanted to make their own superhero. They thought people would just want to play, uh, you know, the, the, the big characters in the comic books. And then, um, the advanced set has a lot of things that, it improved on or, or, or explained better, but it, it still had this kind of random 
superhero creation and I much prefer making your own. It's much more fun. So that, that is one thing that I tweak, but otherwise I like just kind of using the basic set with little bits and pieces from advanced. Um, anyway, and that's one that you all might hear more of from me because we're doing a whole new campaign with the, with the family. And, uh, so I, I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm going to NPC, I'm going to play with them. And, um, it's kind of got with this, with great power deal, it's kind of got some flexibility on how much power level you can give the characters. You know, if you want to make it whatever street level gritty or make them godlike and ours are pretty strong just because it's just going to primarily be, you know, two superheroes, like a third tag along lightning boy. That's my little tag along NPC lightning boy. But anyway, um, so they're, they're pretty powerful characters, but it should be fun. And, um, Anyway, when I think about how much I loved it, that's one of the first few games that I ever saw. Um, in fact, uh, my friend's brother had uh, first edition AD&D and then had um, the original Judge Dredd, and I guess his Games Workshop, and um, had Marvel superheroes. And I remember us making characters, and I made one that was called Top Hat. It was like a it was like a human with gadgets type hero. It wasn't a mutant or anything, but uh, had like a cane and this hat he could throw. It was kind of like Odd Job from Goldfinger. And uh, I'll never forget Top Hat. I wish I still had that character sheet, but, um, uh, you know, he's always in a tuxedo. <laughs> it's kind of cheesy, but I was young. Um, anyway, so those are my top three. Thanks, Cody, for calling in. Hey, Froth, Spike Pit here. Just calling in with a quick top three question. I'm wondering now, everybody's talking about music. It's not specifically gaming related, but it seems like the legendary anchorites are all talking about music. We've talked about De La Soul, but what gamer doesn't like a bit of guitar music? So my question is, Froth, who... Are your top three guitarists, mate? Oh, that's a good one from Colin Green from Spike Pets. Not RPG related, but oh, I was excited when I got this one. Um, great topic. Um, if anybody out there just wants RPG stuff, though, I apologize because I want to talk about music for a little bit. But oh man, where do you start on this one? Um, hmm. So there's, the number one's kind of a special thing, probably unpredictable. Uh, number two we'll get to as well. Um, but with number three, I was thinking, because uh, I like such a variety of music, you know. Um, uh, classic rock, psychedelic, you know, late 60s stuff, um, glam, punk, um, and then, uh, you know, I, I grew up, my main years of, you know, growing up were in the eighties and there are so many, um, great, great bands and unique guitarists. And, uh, so, you know, my mind went to, you know, kind of predictable guitarists like, uh, Pete Townsend or, um, like Keith Richards, you know, some of these 
that were going to my mind. It's maybe not even, you know, with guitar playing for me, it's not necessarily technical skill. It's also style, attitude, swagger, um, and, and the songs, you know. So I thought about Mick Ronson with uh, Bowie, his work. Um, and then there are also ones that are maybe a little bit more obscure but are ungodly good, like Andy Partridge from XTC. If no one's ever heard XTC out there or um, their alter ego band, uh, the Dukes of Stratosphere. That's like the most psychedelic album of all time. Uh, compilation Chips from the Chocolate Fireball. And uh, you want to hear some guitar, listen to Andy Partridge. Um, also thought about the, those first couple of Suede albums and uh, the uh, their first EP. There's a guitarist called Bernard Butler that played this band Suede. Probably those listeners... Um, in England would, would, would maybe be formula, more familiar with suede than um, others. But anyway, Bernard Butler, some of the best guitar playing I've ever heard. I, the only reason I didn't put him in was maybe because it's not a huge, you know, he, he's played with other bands, but it wasn't maybe not as huge a body of work. But if you listen to something like Stay Together by Suede or uh, The Asphalt World or uh, sleeping pills or some of those it's his guitar is completely original unbelievable if you like like glam rock and stuff like that uh, then uh, i thought about phil manzanera from roxy music i'm a huge roxy music fan and he was ungodly good uh andy summers from the police is criminally underrated uh, you know such a great style unbelievable chords somebody that just probably gives people nosebleeds trying to figure out what chords he's playing um but i i spent a little time thinking about pink floyd and i i, I may i love any you know pink floyd really before waters left is the best stuff but my my favorite pink floyd is the, the early stuff the early psychedelic stuff so sauce full of secrets piper the gates of dawn um into more and um all that stuff and uh it's you know Gilmore is obviously the more talented. Gilmore is unbelievable. Almost put Gilmore at three, but almost put Sid Barrett at three too because um, I don't know if anybody spent too much time listening to Sid Barrett out there, but had a completely original style, completely you know psychedelic, unbelievable songwriter. Of course, kind of you know faded away unfortunately into uh, you know obscurity and, 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 and a kind of madness, but, um, a unique gifted, a gifted talent. And so I was thinking Sid Barrett too at, at number three, but, um, uh, in the end I started thinking about queen and I love queen, especially the early stuff. The first three albums, queen, queen two and sheer heart attack. Those three albums when I discovered those, that's basically all I listened to for a little while. Um, I mean, that's great D and D music, you know, like ogre battle and, and stuff like that. It's got all the fantasy and everything and, uh, drama and the guitar playing. Brian May's guitar playing is so precise, such taste, such, such melody, unique style. You can always tell when you're listening to Brian May, I guess part of that's his equipment, but part of it's just, and, and, Brian made it and take a few albums to warm up. He came in kicking ass from the get-go. So, number three, 
long way around saying this. Number three, I'm going with Brian May from Queen. Number two, the year was 1987. I was on a church ski trip that uh, where it was like a trip where I was allowed to go by myself. And it was me, I was like the youngest, and some other teenagers. And we all had our own hotel rooms. You know, there, there was, it was a different time, I guess, but there was a, you know, like a chaperone or whatever, kind of like a counselor that had a hotel room on the same floor, basically, but we had our own hotel rooms. So we're smoking we're older kids are sneaking drinks. And I got, I was listening, got to be exposed to some music I'd never heard before. And, uh, one of the things that I heard was the song Girlfriend in a Coma by the Smiths off the Strange Ways Here We Come album. And that I instantly responded to that, <clears throat> loved it. Couldn't believe the subject matter, couldn't believe the voice and the style and everything. And so I was heavily into the Smiths from like seventh grade, you know, seventh grade on. I still buy, you know, he jumped the shark a little bit, but I still buy Morrissey stuff when it comes out. But from about six, I guess that was a, Christmas of seventh grade and, uh, or somewhere thereabouts, sixth or seventh grade when that came out, seventh grade, I guess. Anyway, love the Smith. So I'm going with Johnny Marr. Um, unbelievable. You know, only took like one solo, um, and the entire run of the Smiths, but it's his layering. He's another one that, uh, will, play with alternate tunings and capos and stuff and, and, and play these beautiful chords, great on the acoustic. Um, and, and just these odd melodies it's just a legendary band. I don't know. Um, when people don't like the Smiths, I don't get it. Like, uh, I don't know. It looks like my mom. She was like, Oh God, that Marcy, no more of that Marcy. <laughs> But I got to go with Johnny Marr. And Johnny Marr has done incredible work, obviously, with other bands. Uh, the The uh, played some great stuff on a Talking Heads record. Uh, I guess it was their last album, Naked. But there's a song, uh, Nothing But Flowers, about um, like nature taking back the, the you know civilization. If you're, you've never heard that song, Nothing But Flowers by Talking Heads, it's Johnny Marr on there. And it's, uh, the guitar work is unbelievable. He's done a bunch of other stuff. I know he's still doing some solo stuff too, but the Smith stuff will always be the best. I don't see how I get around from playing uh, Johnny Marr. Um, so many great songs, so, such great guitar work. So that's my number two, Johnny Marr. And my number one guitarist of all time. This is another one where I got to take you back earlier. I'm taking you back to like 82, 82, 83. Those kind of those kind of years. Lived in Montgomery, Alabama. Um, these were the days when you would just go out on your bike and you play all day. You didn't no one worried about anything. Gone all day at the age of you know, hell, I was only like seven or eight years old, and we were allowed to go play all day outside and go do whatever. And um, had some you know everybody had their kind of neighborhood for you know the, your, the kids in the neighborhood where you're were your main friends that you played around with and had some that were older. One kid was older. He was 13. His name was Tom Killian. And that's who I heard a lot of music from 
especially early 80s, like hard rock and heavy metal. So we had, uh, you know, Def Leppard, Pyromania, had uh, obviously every all Van Halen, um, had the first uh, Quiet Riot, I guess it was Metal Health, was the first album. And I uh, liked all of it, like I liked it all, but my favorite by far was ACDC loved and still do love ACDC. Now I, I don't listen to, it's not like I listen to ACDC every day or anything, but I will put it on on occasion, especially that early Bon Scott stuff. Love it. TNT, dirty deeds, um, you know, power age, all that. Stuff. Oh, a jailbreak. God, jailbreak. Now, that's a great tune. I, I like it. I like um, the later stuff too. In fact, I even like stuff that I remember. I had the Flick of the Switch album. That's looked at as one of their worst albums. I love Flick of the Switch. Um, love Who Made Who. Love it all. And part of the reason I liked it so much was because the unbelievable guitar solos of Angus Young. Also liked Angus's style with the whole schoolboy thing and sneer and attitude. And I had this thrift store guitar with two strings not meant to be played it, this was just a toy you know this was a jump around toy and i'd put on me and my brother we'd listen to acdc and take turns pretending we were angus young soloing on that two string acoustic guitar just listening to it and uh man when i was thinking about this i for a second, it didn't come into my mind. I was trying to think of the number one. And then I was like, thought back about the influence of Angus Young, just listening to that hat on me and how much I loved ACDC all, uh, you know, for years. <laughs> so that's my number one, Angus Young. So that's my top three. I'm going Brian May from Queen, Johnny Moore from the Smiths, Angus Young from ACDC. Thanks for calling in, Colin. That was a great one. And now, a word from our sponsors. Hey Frost, this is J.E. Shields. I mentioned to you on the OSR Anchorites Discord channel that you disappointed me with your selection of 10's place D10. But, I'll forgive you. Anyway, these, uh, these top three are, are, too, are too much fun. Um, so I've got one for you. Uh, top three favorite RPG NPCs. So they can't come from an outside uh, IP, has to originate in RPGs. So, you know, like no Superman, no uh, nothing like that. Okay? Top three RPG NPCs. Bye. All right, Jay Shields there from a grazing mace. I appreciate the call in. So this is one where it took me a minute to think of the number three. I, I, number one and two, I was really uh, confident on. Number three, I, I almost put Strahd in there, you know, but I always just tweak Strahd so much. And I thought it would be a good excuse to talk about it because I, I, I always try to run Strahd. I'm a big fan of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, so I'll, I'll treat Strahd like Frankenfurter. And I mentioned that before. I mentioned it like once on Twitter and, got all this response and I was kind of surprised that other people haven't done that before. Cause you know, you've got the castle and you know, people kind of trapped in the area, you know, like, uh, you know, with the car broken down, uh, like, uh, so it just seemed natural to me, but, uh, and then other, other people have asked about it, 
Now, I haven't gone full bore and just turned it into the Rocky Horror Picture Show or anything, but any of their interactions with Strahd are always, you know, Strahd's just a kind of decadent, uh, um, over-the-top, flamboyant character. And, you know, they're when they first encounter Strahd, it's like a um, illusion or whatever of Strahd playing the organ. And so I always do that with the, you know, the whole intro um you know, the, the intro music into the, the time warp, you know, and, 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 um, what was cool is basically with, with roll 20 times I've, I've ran it, they used to have this great jukebox feature where you could just search for songs and, and they had several Rocky horror things right in there and I could just play it right through the game without having to, you know, get a CD or, or do any kind of work. And they've since changed that. Now it's just like whatever elevator music or you got to do your own or whatever. Um, but anyway, and so, and then in the final, whatever, the final battle with Strahd, uh, I, I do the, um, you know, whatever happened to Fay Ray, you know, the whole I'm coming home and everything. Um, don't dream it, be it. <laughs> I don't know why I love Rocky Horror so much. Uh, maybe it's like the first imprint it had on me because, um, it was still getting played as like a midnight movie and everything when I was a teenager and was, was something that people would go do, um, around Atlanta. <clears throat> there was a place that had been playing it for, you know, every weekend for, you know, I guess at that point it must've been, uh, whatever, 15 years. And they had, you know, and it was full on people bringing in the props and the rice and, uh, shouting it out, acting it out. If you'd never been, you were a virgin and you had to get up on the stage and, uh, had a great time at that. And then, and just loved the music. And, and so, um, anyway, you, you can't full, it would take more conversion than I ever bothered to give, you know, doing to, to fully bring it into, uh, Rocky horror. You have to figure out the different, whatever artifacts they find and, and all that. So I never, quite took it as far as you could, but I just always treated it like Strahd was Frankenfurter and, and put some of the music in. So I hope that's not disappointing to anyone that I <clears throat> didn't take it as far as you could, but if someone else does, I'd love to hear what you do with it. Uh, there's certainly, um, no limit. You could make, uh, whatever. I don't know if there is that elf assistant in the original Ravenloft, but there's a, there's an elf, some kind of elf assistant in the 5e version. Maybe there is, and I just can't put them both together because the most recent thing I ran was the 5e, but there's definitely like an elf assistant in the 5e one, and that could easily be riffraff. And um, and you could maybe even, the party doesn't even have to end up fighting Strahd. They, Strahd gets killed by his own, his own, uh, what, what would you call it? His own coterie. Um, anyway, I'm getting way off the subject now, but so I thought about Strahd, but I, the Strahd itself, the story is kind of, I don't, I don't know. I love having a, you know, a, a vampire with a castle and I love universal monsters and everything growing up. It's all about it, but Strahd is not especially compelling as written. Um, other than the fact that he's a vampire with the, you know, trapped in the land with the 
with the Castle Ravenloft um, to me. So I didn't go with Strahd. One that came to mind, it was kind of out from left field, was uh, in the uh, Death Frost Doom Lamentations adventure. There's this like hillbilly um, Zeke that you meet going up the mountain. And uh, Zeke, I, I think everybody always has fun role-playing Zeke, you know, the crazed mountain man. Uh, so that one I thought about for a minute, but no. So what did I go with at number three? She stirred the loins of millions of nerd boys across the earth. Alina the Cleric from the Mincer Basic Box Set. Sweet Alina. Beautiful Alina. Noble Alina. Noble and true. Your hair stands on end as she touches your arm and heals you. Ask you to sit a while. A tragic figure to be sure. She's struck down by Bargle. Dang, Kitty. Getting a little fired up, aren't you? Even Kitty's getting fired up, thinking back on Alina. <laughs> oh, boy. So, yeah. Though, though she may be gone, you'll never forget her. Alina the Cleric. Number two. Another one from D&D. Lareth. Lareth the Beautiful. Ah. Love Lareth from uh, from the Hamlet Moat House. Lareth doesn't get a, a lot of description. It's just kind of described. He's kind of described as like the, the the dark hope, the best dark hope. Like they've all, they're all, all the evil people are rooting for Lareth because he shows so much potential. And he's just pure evil, but he also is really flamboyant and you know completely you know uh, decadent and depraved, but also described as beautiful. You know, and so whenever I run Hamlet and get to play Lareth. I love it, you know, and I just make him just completely almost a little fey and just has the finest of everything, but it's also just, um, unspeakably cruel. And like, uh, I remember one time when I was running Hamlet, the, the, the group had a dog. And so Lareth, the first thing Lareth did was go up and kill the dog and step on it and say, bad dog, you know? So I just, I don't know, Lareth. It, it's it's your it's the um, the ability to play someone just so evil, but also someone just obviously so charismatic and and uh, well dressed, and you know the the great dark hope of evil Lareth. He's a he's a great character for the players to hate, you know, for the players to want to kill, and they certainly did once he killed the dog. They boy they. Uh, they took great delight in killing Lareth when they finally got to him. So I, I just love, uh, I, I love Lareth the Beautiful. It's a, that's one to me that just stands out as my favorite in all, any d and I've ever read. Lareth the Beautiful is top. So I'm giving Lareth from the village of, you know, from the Hamlet Moat House, number two. And number one. It's an NPC you never even really interact with, but still what I consider the greatest NPC in any adventure. Jackson Elias from Master of Nyarlathotep. Yes, Jackson Elias, your old friend Jackson Elias. You learn a lot about him right before the adventure. You've gotten some correspondence from him. He wants to meet you at the old hotel. Um, He's an interesting guy, globetrotter, has written a lot of interesting books about death cults, but you never really get to talk to Jackson because, spoiler alert, the first thing in the in Master Nihilothotep is you getting to the 
Chelsea Hotel and finding Jackson cut into you know, cut apart cut into pieces by cultists. You know, you might still bump into the cultists in the room, depending. And you spend uh, the rest of the adventure, a lot of it, you know, starting off with clues you get from Jackson Elias's body, including the symbol carved in his forehead. And you try to uncover the different um, travels that Jackson took, people that he talk, talked to, um, to help un uncover the mystery. And um, what a brilliant, brilliant. Is there a greater start to an adventure? I don't know. I mean, I guess some of these adventures where you start you know, naked in chains or, you know, all your stuff stolen. That's one way to do it or a shipwreck or something. But I don't know. I, I think that Jackson Elias, that beginning to that adventure, it doesn't get any better than that. You're instantly hooked in and uh, it's such a great character. And for it to be so great and be someone you never even really get to speak to, uh, you know, the closest you get to speaking to him is maybe reading his his uh, strange letters he's written as he gets closer, he gets closer to the truth and um, closer you get to him is, is trying to do something with his corpse. So uh, to me, that's the number one NPC of all time. Jackson Elias from Mass of Nyarlathotep for Call of Cthulhu. All right. So that's my top three Tuesday for this week. Um, had a lot of fun. I hope y'all enjoyed listening. Uh, I've got some more that folks have sent in, some some good ones that uh, I'm going to be thinking about for next week. Um, but I'd like to thank everyone for calling in. Uh, Jeff Collier, um, Cody M, Colin Green, and J.E. Shields really made the show great. I didn't have to think of a topic. <laughs> I got to be the lazy DM, so to speak. But great ideas and great, uh, you know, so I hope you all enjoyed listening and um, I enjoyed talking about it. So I uh, just want to thank people for listening to the shows um, and checking it out. I really do appreciate y'all. If anybody uh, has any more top threes they want to hear, you know, you can call in on the Anchor app or you can email me, frothsoft, frothsof at gmail.com. Also over on the Thought Eater blog, which is frothsoftdnd.blogspot.com. There's a, um, a submission form you can put you know, a suggestion. And if you like big shout out to folks back me on Patreon, sure to appreciate y'all very much. Patreon.com forward slash thought eater, only a dollar a month. And, um, I've got a, I think we've got a really good hump day bloggerama uh, brewing right now. I've been starting to kind of piece it together, categorize things and look at it. So I'm excited about that. So the next y'all hear from me will be for the uh, Wednesday hump day bloggerama. So I'm looking forward to it. And uh, Logan, get us out of here. Sickly platypus, a psychic grenade. Zeroing in on your mental trade. Gonna help you escape from the grind. Thought eater gonna blow your mind. Boom.